Hello, wrestling fans. Welcome to the Torture Rack Podcast. My name is Mark Bass. I'm John F. Malta. Thank you so much for being with us here today for the inaugural episode of this show. Uh, my co-host, John, is an extremely talented illustrator. You may know him from his work for The New Yorker, New York Times, Adult Swim, Pops Blue Ribbon, Disenchantment on Netflix, and on AEW television, courtesy of his fantastic Best Friends t-shirt, which you can pick up on shopaew.com. And you may know me from this podcast. I am also a contributor to the Torture Act magazine, issue four of which I have contributed an article about the WWE Network special, 20 matches that define the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, John, do you want to talk a little bit about the genesis of the Torture Act magazine and also maybe just provide a little update on uh, when people can expect to see the new issue? Yeah, man. Uh, Was that natural? I, yeah, totally. So, so <laughs> <laughs> Totally natural. It's great. Um, yeah, uh, I thought that a good way to start this, at least in terms of uh, discussing professional wrestling, my love of professional wrestling and how it brought us together, uh, would be to read the, the introduction essay from the first issue of Torture Act. Uh, I started Torture Act in 2018 as a fanzine, basically just because I'm obsessed with wrestling and I wanted to start making illustrations based around wrestling and on and writing about wrestling because I talk about wrestling a lot with you, with our friends and uh, you know, it's, it's something that both of us love a lot and I wanted to do something with it beyond just, you know, having a G chat archive of years and years of conversations that happen all day, every day about angles and wrestling and, historical wrestling matches and i maintain there needs to be like a huge like 400 tashin collection book <laughs> of just rg chats dude totally with that that yeah, that is something that i feel like i i want to i did go through and screenshot some of them at one point and sent it sent you like the different subjects that we were talking yes. about it's funny yeah. to see the the collection of uh different things we talked about but um yeah, so that, that led to me making the first Torture Act zine, which was in 2018, and it was released at Comic Arts Los Angeles um, in, in LA. Uh, and I'll, I'm going to go ahead and read this essay here because it kind of summates, summates my love Please of do. professional wrestling, what, what sort of brought me here, and why I started to make a magazine about it. Um, when I was around the age of three or four years old, my parents took me to my first professional wrestling show. It was a World Wrestling Federation event at the Richfield Coliseum just outside of Cleveland, Ohio. I got to experience an Undertaker match live, cheered for my hero, Jake the Snake Roberts, and walked away from the show wearing red foam Legion of Doom spikes. Even here, I still have to this day. This is one of my earliest memories in this life. I honestly can't recall a moment or memory that is earlier in my mind in this experience of the art of professional wrestling live and in person. Throughout my adolescence and during the Attitude Era, I attended various shows at the Gundarina, also in Cleveland, Ohio. Most notably, in 1998, I attended the episode of Monday Night Raw after the infamous Mankind vs. Undertaker Hell in a Cell match. The oh my match god. Yeah. The match that actually headlined that King of the Ring pay-per-view was Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Kane in a first blood match where Stone Cold dropped his title to Kane. The next night on Monday Night Raw in Cleveland, Ohio, Stone Cold Steve Austin won the title back before my eyes. 
It was insane to see this unfold as I didn't expect him to win it back so soon. Me and my little brother and my parents wilded it out in unison as Stone Cold held his title high and pounded an endless supply of cold ones in celebration with the crowd. Wow. So that, that I, I, it's insane to think about, but I, I honestly, like all of my memories of my life in being like three years old, two years old, like the earliest memories all revolve around wrestling. And then so many important moments of my life since then, the things that I remember are about professional wrestling. It's the thing that sort of brought my entire family together throughout my life. Uh, and now brings me with, you know, pe- people like you who like, you, we talk to each other every day, all day. And it's great. And I look forward to like waking up and seeing if you've texted me about something that's happened in wrestling or, you know, it, it's, it's crazy. I didn't think- know I was going to cry on the first podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just professional wrestling, like the power it has to bring people together and to unite different people is so insane. Like when we first, like you and I first, Mark, uh, the host of this podcast and I know each other through uh, my girlfriend, Siobhan, um, the two of you, uh, I mean, you can talk more about it, but you, the two of you uh, knew each other in high school. And then I met you, we probably met like three years ago, four years ago, I would say, right? It's crazy how time flies. Yeah. I think like three years ago, you and I first met and we didn't talk about wrestling then, but the very first time I remember really being excited about wrestling with you was Tables and Ladders and Chairs 2017, I think. Okay, I need to look up the... Uh, uh, the I remember some of the things that happened, and you can look up the card if you want. Uh, yeah, I'm looking up the card right now. It's the, it's the crazy TLC. It's probably one of my... Probably if, you go, if we w- went down and read all the shows of WWE from the last three years, like that is one of my favorite WWE pay-per-views because... There's a, a bunch of people got the flu, so then uh, AJ Styles flew across the country to fight Finn Balor, and then yes. Kurt Angle was an honorary member of the Shield that night too. Yes, he was Angle, doing Shield cosplay. Yeah, in like all his glory, and I feel like that's like one of the last times we really saw Kurt Angle. Like it was a huge deal to see Kurt Angle in the ring, and then just the, one of the last times we've seen him. Um, I feel like really almost like I mean close to peak Angle, as close to peak Angle as we're going to get in like you know this decade. Oh, um, absolutely. And then they just did nothing with him after that. Right. They gave him a black son and then <laughs> they jobbed him out to Baron Corbin in like a really forgettable match. Yeah. So, but at, we, so Mark lives uh, in Canada, in New Brunswick. And uh, I remember uh, that night, TLC 2017, I left my apartment right when the match started to go get Popeye's chicken and while I was the drive through took a really long time to get through. And while I was in the drive through, you were texting me match like what was happening live uh, on that TLC match. So whatever was what was the first match of that TLC? Uh, Asuka versus Emma. Our, oh, my God. Yeah. And that match, too. That was weird because the next night Emma had a match on Raw and then and it was a great match. And then Emma was released. Uh, right. She had this big tease that she was going to be Emelina. There was all these like promos. Right. And then she was Emelina for like, I think one raw mm-hmm. and then she was Emma and then she was released. Yeah. But anyway, so it would have been that message you were texting me about, but I just remember being in the uh, drive through at Popeye's like so happy to be getting these texts from you. And like, 
just realizing like, oh, this is like such a great, and then since then now, because we like live watch everything together and like yeah. uh, through Gchat, um, it just being such a great, it's like one of my favorite aspects of my life is like, watching wrestling with you and chatting. So it's great. Okay. I'm glad have... it's not just me with like a very empty life where I know. <laughs> not at all. Seriously. Like and I, yeah, and I know crazy. that um, it annoys Siobhan um, that we talk oh. so much and she's like, you know, she'll, she'll text me like from your account, like, Oh, I don't like wrestling anymore. Like, <laughs> please don't, please don't talk to me ever again. Um, but it just speaks to the power of wrestling. Like if me and Siobhan both watched wrestling, we'd be talking all the, all the time. time we just don't have that thing that consumes so much of our thoughts that 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 sort of we share so uh two one mate one mind for two brains no one mind for two people oh yeah <laughs> what uh yeah <laughs> the golden lo- yeah the golden lovers yeah what mind for the two Kenny people Omega Man, you, uh, you and i yeah, yeah totally that was a great yeah that was great um but yeah, no, genu- I genuinely think you and I might talk to each other more than I talk to Shafat and Shafat and I like, live together. Um, Certainly in Gchat. Yeah, for, oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Re- wrestling to me has been such an important part of my entire life. And that's sort of what led to Torch Rec becoming a magazine. And it's grown from there. Uh, I started giving it away at different wrestling events and comic shows uh, throughout 2018. Uh, in 2019, um, and now we're working on the fourth issue, uh, which Mark has contributed to. Our friend Thomas has some great stuff in it. Uh, Brainbuster, uh, the wrestling photographer, has contributed to it. Uh, not the fourth issue, but past issues. Uh, Michael Watson, uh, and it's just brought me together with so many people that I consider my best friends now, uh, and to uh, have it now turn into this, which is a, a podcast where we're able to like discuss and talk about this thing we love is so exciting. Um, and the fourth, the fourth issue right now, uh, it should be done in June. I basically just have to make all of the illustrations for the issue now. Like I was just telling you that I was illustrating Double J for your Intercontinental title article. Yes. Um, just finished drawing Neidhart and <laughs> British Bulldog smoking crack together before there. <laughs> Before Bulldogs historic match with a little, Hart. little teaser, uh, a little teaser. Yeah, uh, so happy I got to draw that. Um, but yeah, the issue has turned into something much bigger than what uh, everyone who subscribed to Torture Act is probably expecting. Since the first few issues are fanzines, so they're you know probably at most maybe the longest issue is thirty two pages. Like the second issue is just two fold out posters. The third issue, which was an all AEW issue, that I think was around 32 pages and featured some great photographs from uh, Michael Watson, Brainbuster. Um, Which one is uh, your drawing of Joey Janela and Penelope Ford from? That's from the first issue. Uh, that S- that is one of my favorite from. drawings that you've ever done. Uh, we will definitely include it in the in the notes on this podcast, but you need to check it out. And what is it like when you watch AW Dynamite? and see your own illustration for the best friends t-shirt come up dude i i it, it it's insane it doesn't it feels like it doesn't feel it feels weird that it is actually on AEW dynamite it blows my mind 
every single time I see it. And it is honestly probably my favorite place that I've seen my work. Like I've done a lot. I've been working as a commercial illustrator for almost a decade now. And I've seen my work in lots of different places um, as Mark rattled off at the beginning. Uh, and But to see it end up on like a weekly wrestling show is completely surreal. And be worn by two wrestlers that I really like a lot that I've, you know, seen wrestle in Japan and watch wrestle in Japan and I've kind of like followed to some degree for a while now. Um, for that to come about is totally insane. Um, and that whole shirt came about thanks to uh, a friend, basically thanks to me starting Torture Act as well. Um, I, that first uh, issue that I made that I released at Comic Arts Los Angeles, um, I uh, uh, met two people at Comic Arts Los Angeles uh, that are the publishers of Mind Games Magazine, which is uh, another great professional wrestling magazine. Uh, I met Kevin and Adam at Comic Arts Los Angeles, and we, me and Kevin traded zines then, uh, which led to me starting to make illustrations for their project, Mind Games Magazine. And in their uh, second issue, uh, I illustrated uh, the best friends, um, and Trent and Chuck saw it, uh, and asked me to do a shirt. Um, so yeah, I actually um, was going to ask cause I didn't know how that came about. Yeah. Awesome. Um, actually maybe it's the first issue. No, it was the first issue of my names magazine. Uh, I take that back. Yes. Yeah, so it's an issue that Bandito is on the cover. So it's the first issue. I have that um, one. Yeah. Yeah. Gave me that one. Yeah. Uh, I did. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's the first issue. Um, yeah. Uh, Second issue has Joey Janela on the cover, and the third one has going to have Liger on the cover. It looks very sick. Um, Much like your shirt. Exactly. So For those, for those Patreon <laughs> subscribers who are watching the video. Yeah, totally. Uh, so yeah, that, the, the shirt came about through Kevin, Adam, and My Games Magazine, and then Trent and Chuck just seeing the drawings in there, and then uh, reaching out uh, and asking me to do a shirt. Uh, but yeah, it's completely surreal to see it because now we've regularly been watching dynamite since its inception and it's been best friends wear it every every uh you know every so often every couple of weeks i feel like it pops up and it's why i love man. we were watching double or nothing and uh we were texting we're like okay yeah best friends are here no shirts i think thomas said no shirts and then when they <laughs> after when they ran in to help was it orange or yeah, it was orange. I think it was during the ladder match. Yeah. Yeah. They ran in and they were wearing their shirts and I just texted you immediately. I was like, they're wearing the shirts. <laughs> they're wearing the shirts. I pop huge. Like I pop on, on dynamite, but seeing it on double or nothing, which was like totally one insane. year anniversary of AEW being a company and just like reflecting on like how great that year has been and like how cool it has been to like watch it from the beginning just to like give a little bit of my own background as just a wrestling watcher. Um, it was something that I loved as a kid and it brought me and several friends together much how it has brought us together now, but it was something that I definitely, I definitely fell out of at a certain point. Um, I remember all the time going to Canadian tire and seeing they had VHS tapes of like old WrestleManias that I'd never seen before, like WrestleMania 10. I can remember seeing that VHS tape and, when you're like a kid and you just don't have any money at all, you just can't buy. It. And now I just think back in my head, I'm like, why didn't I buy all those tapes? Cause I was a child and I was absolutely poor. Not like our family wasn't poor, but just as a kid, you have no money. So I think back about that, but I also remember my dad, like 
when I was a kid, we would wake up at 7 a.m. in the morning on a Saturday, uh, go to the farmer's market together, uh, listen to Steve Miller Band cassette tapes and the Simpsons sing the blues cassette tapes um, and just drive around to yard sales looking for old wrestling VHSs. And I think I got WrestleMania, I want to say eight, where it should have been Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair, but instead it was Macho Man versus Flair and Hogan versus Sid. Was that eight? I'm not sure, actually. I can't. I think it, was, it was seven or eight, but anyway, I remember getting that VHS tape and uh, going to Midnight Video and always trying to rent WrestleMania 2000. They had the cassette tape, but it someone had rented it and never returned it. So it was just never in. And uh, I just wanted to see it so bad. Of course, finally watching WrestleMania 2000 years later, it's a terrible WrestleMania, but like, it was like my Holy grail when I was a kid, I remember renting 14 and 15 from Dunn's variety for like 99 cents and just trying to like, uh, just suck up all I could. And yeah, I, I was definitely into it during the attitude era as well probably from 99 to around 2001, definitely watched probably all of those pay-per-views. And then at a certain point getting older, I just like was getting into like drama and stuff. And I, I didn't think it was, I, I didn't think it was cool. And I sort of like broke up with like some of my friends who like, that was our main thing. And yeah, just kind of like, just sort of, sort of turned my back on it. Like I think like a lot of people probably did as they got older, just yeah, like thinking totally. it wasn't cool anymore. Um, and then I only came back when we started talking about it. So what was that like four years ago? Yeah. 20, I feel like it was 2017. Um, I don't know the exact time frame that we started watching it. I remember like coming over your, uh, going over your apartment and you having like an NXT matchup. I don't remember what the match was, but you were just like, Oh, I got to get caught up on some NXT matches. And I was like, good. You watch, you watch wrestling? What? Yeah. Um, and yeah. And that led to us starting to talk to each other more. And I, 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 I know that we watched pay-per-views before TLC 2017 together, but not many. Like that was maybe the third, that was the first, I think TLC 2017 was the first time where there was like a plan that week, like, Dude, TLC 20, 2017 is Sunday. Definitely, you're gonna you're available. We're watching live together, right? And then after that, since then, so now it's only been like three years that we've been watching like all WWE pay per views, and uh, now all uh, Dynamite Weekly together. Um, yeah, this totally tracks because I remember suddenly right around WrestleMania 31. I had had not watched a wrestling pay-per-view in probably like 20 years or something like 15 years. And then just suddenly I was like, I really want to watch WrestleMania. And it wasn't even a particularly like good card. Like I think the main event was Roman Reigns versus Triple H, which is just not what I'm interested <laughs> in. Um, Dude, that's funny though. Cause that's like the same feeling I had when I started watching WWE again, after not watching it for so long, like, I think it's interesting that so like obviously like that's it like most wrestling fans fell off after like the ruthless ruthless aggression era uh and you know everyone that did missed so many great things including myself like the old, really between ruthless aggression and i think it was wrestlemania maybe 33 that i was like felt the same way like oh i want to watch a wrestlemania i miss like 
watching WrestleMania and this kind yeah. of like there's a WWE pay-per-view. We got to order a bunch of sick food and like sit down and watch pay-per-view together. I used to go to the, uh, to the, like the Cineplex and watch them. Whoa. Like a, in, in a movie theater. Yeah. They, they stopped doing that pretty That's much sick. right when I got back into it. I don't think, yeah, they definitely, <laughs> as far as I know, that was not a thing that you could do in the States. That's a really cool, that would be such a cool experience. Like I remember my friend Zan used to get all the pay-per-views on his TV. So we'd go over and watch it. And also my friend Matt, um, who I like broke up with. Cause I was like, I don't like wrestling anymore. And I don't think we should be friends. <laughs> I don't know why. Like it's, it's, it's so silly now because I, I now I'm I'm back into it and I have all my old wrestling figures and I'm like so glad I didn't throw them out, um, but it's it's interesting. I, I I started watching YouTube before I started watching wrestling. Like I started watching YouTube reviews of 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 different wrestling matches and did that for like I think a year before I even started watching wrestling again. Dude, yeah, I, I did the exact being same current thing. on it. Yeah, totally. Like, I think that's the only thing. Like between like two thousand, like two thousand two, maybe and twenty like twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. All I did was watch YouTube clips. And like the one thing that kept me and my little, like the thing that me and my little brother watched throughout that time was just backyard wrestling on YouTube. Like that was like the only thing that were, was like. Oh, this is like kind of like what we loved because Charlie and I, Charlie is my little brother. We both loved DCW when we were, we were kids. Uh, like a lot of people did and we're obsessed with new Jack and obsessed with balls, Mahoney and Sandman and all of the characters in ECW seemed like, I don't know. They really, really, we were really drawn to how wild and crazy they were. And in retrospect, it's like, they were they were such crazy like violent cartoons that it makes sense that so many kids were drawn to those characters it's like nickelodeon if nickelodeon could have a live action wrestling show it would be ecw and yeah. uh between like 2000 and 2017 really the only wrestler that i kept looking up was new jack uh just because I liked New Jack so much uh, and was so intrigued by his his matches, his aura, his persona, what was real, what was fake. Like I remember him having a lot of shoot interviews on YouTube with I think it was Balls Mahoney, where they had this feud that seemed real, where it seemed like they actually hated each other. But I'm not sure if that was real or if that was fake. And I really liked. I love the thing that I love about New Jack is his ability to blur the line of like what is character and what is reality to the point that you have no idea. So you, you don't know, you don't know what you're watching. If he's just a character the entire time and you know, Lori, this guy is who he is. And it's a little bit of both. And that that's why he's, I feel like such a good character in wrestling and why he was someone that I kept looking up because, you know, he, he's an interesting person to read about and read about what he's done and, uh, in that would watch, a, I remember being in my apartment in New York in like 2012 with my little brother looking up, like there's this wrestling promotion and it, whoever's listening to this, I would love for you to send me clips of this. If you can find it, there's a wrestling promotion in New York city that fought at playgrounds. So they, and they had what? entrances like where they would like come out of like the slide, but it would be a dude, like a big dude. Like it was like a big dude that should be the, like looks like someone who's like an actual wrestler fighting other wrestlers. And it was typical like backyard style 
wrestling where it was like a few people who seemed like, oh, those guys definitely trained and are wrestlers. And the other people who are like, that's just a crazy looking person that wants to hit someone with a trash can and weapons. Uh, but that, there was a promotion that fought at playgrounds all over New York City. And I don't remember, it's like, I, me and my little brother feel like we're making it up because we've looked through YouTube so much and cannot find it. So I wonder. Did if, they ever like break anything in the playground? Like, did they put someone through like a picnic table or like no, I, no. slam through the slide? No, and there were substantial groups of people. Like, I don't know how it never got shut down, but there were like, substantial groups of people watching that. But that, that was like what I was watching wrestling wise from like 2000, like from like high school to like basically 2016 or 2017, like kind of up until, uh, up until I seen a clip of the Young Bucks crotch chopping in a ring from corner to corner with Kevin Steen. Uh, and I was like, who are these people? This is insane, which then led to me eventually watching Being the Lead, Discovering New Japan and like, you know, finding lots of things to love about wrestling currently um yeah do, do you do you remember for yourself like what what it was that really like brought you totally back into it do you think it was just us talking more about it i'd like to say it was us because that would make great podcast material but like but prior to that separate for me you're obviously watching it too though like, yeah i was watching it and i was talking with people i absolutely would never talk to otherwise about wrestling and i think that was always what it was for me it was like okay this is something i'm gonna have to talk to whoever watches it because i'm not gonna find someone who's like one of my friends who also watches it that i could talk to about so knowing that you watched it i was like so happy i was like this is a cool guy who like <laughs> watches wrestling that's awesome i'm gonna fucking talk to him about it i'm gonna ask him about uh if he's seen the the, the tna three-way dance Dude. Christopher Daniels and AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, which is maybe, yeah, I think maybe I, I actually, I think what really got me back was oddly enough, Omega Okada. Oh, I, just I like started, the series being so big. Yeah. Like, I, I remember someone saying that that was like one of the best matches ever. And it was like an hour long. So I watched the first one and I think watching those, I realized how much of an art, wrestling could be and like how much storytelling is involved um just yeah how great they could be so I, I watched those matches like on youtube and tried to show them to my other friends who were sort of into them but not like the length of it and i was like how can you not see this as like one of the greatest things ever um and then i was watching a little bit of wwe but um not necessarily enjoying it that much but enjoying getting back into the routine of 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 watching certain things. Yeah, just being invested in like an angle yeah. or watching a storyline yeah, yeah. unfold. I haven't been able to watch any WWE TV regularly, uh, like any any Raws or Smackdowns. I watch, every week I watch reviews of them and, and update videos on YouTube, but I just find them so long and so bloated. So much backstage segments like I could care less about. And then when it comes to matches, just not actually giving matches the length they deserve to sort of breathe, which I think we should start talking about um, Double or Nothing because we were talking about the best friends and you doing the t-shirt and the pre-show match on Double or Nothing is the best friends versus private party for the number one contendership. And this was just on the buy-in. This was free on YouTube. And this match went, I think, about 15 minutes. Yeah. It felt like it was about 20. And not to always have to draw these comparisons. I know you specifically said you didn't want to compare too much of like, 
between WWE and AEW. But I thought this pre-show match was absolutely fantastic. And actually, just by giving it about five to ten extra minutes, really let it breathe and actually was it like a, a match I really could invest in. Yeah, well, I think it just speaks to like uh, why we both are regularly watching AEW also. And just the, the, uh, the pre-show was like, a re- it was a wrestling match and that's it. Was yeah, like, it was one match for the entire like 30 minute pre-show. Right, yeah. Like there was maybe five minutes of talking before and five minutes of talking after, but we, we were there to watch wrestling and sitting and talking with each other because we wanted to watch a wrestling match and we got to see a great like intro wrestling match that set up like, one of my favorite pay-per-views I've watched, I think, I don't know. I, I, I do. I, ECW one night stand one is my all time favorite pay-per-view, but I think double or nothing too is a very close second. Now. Uh, it was really good. It just, it had something for everybody. Like if you were into spot fests and like crazy matches, like the casino ladder match, like, and the stadium stampede, obviously if you were just looking for like, good old fashioned wrestling matches, Cody versus Archer, MJF versus Jungle Boy um, had, in my opinion, the best AW women's match ever. Sheeta versus Nyla Rose. Um, we got to see Brody Lee fight in an actual match, not just a squash match against John Moxley, which really delivered. Should we just go through these matches one by one? <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. The casino ladder match. I feel like, over like I had high expectations for it just because of what it was and like definitely for me over delivered of what I imagined would happen like Darby's spot at the start of that was really really insane with the skateboard through the ladder yeah and just the way he falls I know he he's like he could take a lot of pain and that that's like a, a part of who he is just as a person not even as a performer but uh I legitimately thought he had hurt himself just because of the way he was like rolling around and the way he jumped up right afterwards and was like selling it so hard. I feel like it it must hurt. It must hurt so much. It had to hurt so bad, but also at the same time, like he, I think the reason maybe he was, he's able to be, he's able to like sort of sell that so well too is because he skateboards. So like, he knows what yeah. it really like. I mean, obviously that the the uh, act of jumping up a ladder onto another ladder with a skateboard and then hitting the ground just in general would hurt. But then also just the fact that he skateboards and has legitimately fallen very hard on concrete and sort of knows knows what that feels like and is able to sort of incorporate that into his wrestling, which is I think what makes him such a cool cool performer and why he's one of my personal favorites in AEW. Um, but yeah, that match was insane. Did, did, were you, what did you think of the surprise entrant at the end? Brian Cage. Uh, he looks like Wolverine a little bit with his facial hair, right? <laughs> Dude, that's, that's really funny. Like I, I, like I was talking to another friend about, uh, about that, him as a surprise, and they were not that excited that it was Brian Cage, but my... But my reasoning for liking Brian Cage is because he reminds me of like an X-Men villain. <laughs> His name yeah, and the way like, he looks. He looks he like a 1993 like, like X-Force villain. Like He's like Juggernaut mixed with Wolverine. Yeah, Which totally. I guess is like Sabretooth, basically. I was just going to say that. Yeah, he's like, it's like issue 26 of like random 1990s X-Men. Open it up. Brian Cage is 
like he would have like a robotic arm, but then pretty much just look and dress the way he dresses in AEW and in wrestling. Um, you think that um, they're taking uh, Jim Cornette's all petite wrestling jabs uh, too seriously and are, are now like, oh, like loading the roster with beef? Because <laughs> there's a lot of beef that just has just come onto the roster. Dude, Brody totally. Lee, Lance Archer, Brian Cage. I'm forgetting someone, I think. But there's a lot oh, of hosses. I mean, Butcher is on there. Uh, he, I Butcher think Butcher is one of my like low key favorite hosses on the roster. Um, like just in general, yeah. Like I don't know. There is a lot of lot of uh, a lot of beef on the roster now. It's like they're bringing in a lot of like um, bad guys who are huge totally. to fight to fight the like underdog. Like scrappy, uh, like, scrappy. Yeah, you're like your young bucks and Kenny Omegas and stuff. But yeah, that that match was so sick, and I was really excited to see Brian Cage at the end. Like, I'm excited that he's in AEW. Did you see? He really went. Him and Lucha together in the ring were fantastic, dude. That was sick. And then him throwing Darby off of the with the ladder, fucking like, ladder, just like on the ladder out of the ring, insane. It seemed pretty obvious that whoever the mystery opponent was going to be was going to win the match. Yeah, I didn't. I see, and that like the whole night in my mind, a lot of the like people that I thought were going to win won, uh, with the exception of maybe one match. And I, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I feel like it's like for so long now, we're like trained to like expect the, the not obvious thing to happen or like a swerve or something. Uh, and now it's just like, oh, yeah, there's these logical arcs that they're building. Yep. Really All the stories made sense. Like uh, Jake the Snake put a snake on Brandy Rhodes and, you know, humiliated her. And uh, Jake has just been, you know, very <laughs> saying derogatory things about women. And, you know, Archer is just a heel who beats up people on his way out to the ring. So Dude, that's Suzuki Goon energy in AEW is oh, fucking awesome. Yeah. I love that he comes out brawling. Yeah. Uh, I won't get ahead of myself here, but I thought the casino ladder match was like a solid B. Like it didn't, it didn't hit that chaotic energy at any point that I was like a little bit hoping for in, in one of those opening matches. Um, like when, when cage got uh, buried under the like chairs and like ladders and stuff that seemed, that was a, like a little bit WWE for me. Like I, I don't know. It didn't entirely work for me. Dude, but it led to Joey Janela Death Valley Drivering. Uh, yes. Who did he Death Valley Driver? Uh, I feel like it was maybe... Oh, or, 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 it was Orange Cassidy. It was, okay. Yeah. yeah, I think it was Orange Cassidy. Uh, did, what did you think of Orange that? Cassidy like and his investment in that match? Yeah, I I I, I liked it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like his character is someone that uh, has been cool to see develop on the AEW roster and sort of like come like he's doing what he did in indie shows that I've seen him at and now on national TV. I feel like he's like the one of the few people on the roster too. It's like AEW has this roster of people, all of which have this like mass appeal outside of wrestling that upsets like old school wrestling fans where it's like, that's not wrestling, but it's like, yeah, th this is what wrestling is in 2020. And maybe you do not like what that is, but it doesn't make it not wrestling. It's like, it's like, I, and I don't buy that. Cause we, we went back for, we did a WCW super card and we watched um, 
Midnight Express versus somebody. I can't remember who. But I just remember watching that match and seeing Jim Cornette and just seeing some of the silly stuff they did. And I was like, wrestling's always like had this silly edge. If everything was like this, if it was everyone in the roster was Orange Cassidy or uh, Marco Stunt, it would be quite annoying. But I, I thought that Double or Nothing was such a like proof in the pudding that like there's so much for everybody on these totally. cards. Uh, I, the only reason I threw to you on Orange Cassidy was because I, I remember you being like, he doesn't know how, to, how a ladder match works. That, that was the he one. doesn't want to win. <laughs> yeah, well, God I mean, damn. It's, I, it wasn't that I liked that he did what he did, but I, the thing that I was like, well, he know, everyone knows how to open a ladder. Like, you know how to open a ladder, <laughs> right? Like, everyone knows how to open a ladder. That's very fair. They definitely teased a Jimmy Havoc versus Orange Cassidy match. Dude, that's Jimmy Havoc. Sick coming in and choking orange with his tie that yeah was i hope awesome. we see more jimmy attic i know that he was like in england for a lot of last year for some reason so uh yeah it'd be cool to see him uh in AEW more now and i love that brian cage was accompanied by taz who is his manager i think managers are the best i love how aw has a bunch of managers I think it's fantastic. Dude, Taz's uh, intensity at the end of that was really cool to see because he's been pretty like even keel like sports broadcaster for yeah. AEW, even in those backstage segments with like Darby. So like yeah, him like screaming again and like announcing like Brian Cage is here, like it's awesome. Uh I love the pairing of the two of them. Did you see that uh Brian Cage is gonna face Moxley uh at Fighter Fest? No, I didn't see that. Did they announce that like today? Yeah, it was, I was reading it. I mean, I don't know if it was a rumor that I read, but it was apparently, it was a, announced as part of, in uh, Tony Khan's like, media scrum. He said Fighter Fest would have happened in England, uh, but it's obviously not happening right now because of coronavirus. And uh, he, it, it, the main event will be Brian Catrice's job boxing. So that match is going to be insane kind of loving just like feeding all these huge scrappers to John Moxley. Totally. Because whenever, you know, the very over babyface becomes champion, it's all, like in my head, it's like a countdown to when we start hating this person or when they like lose their like cool aura. Mm-hmm. And I thought Moxley was a little bit in risk of that uh, when he fought um, Hager at Revolution, because I thought that match really kind of under-delivered, and I had to keep reminding myself, like, oh yeah, Moxley was in New Japan fighting Ishii in the G1, and it was, like, incredible, and he's an incredible wrestler. You know, him fighting um, uh, Juice over the NWU... IWGP US title. Thank you very much. IWGP US Uh, Because I thought that was, like, kind of a crappy match, but... Now seeing him fight Brody Lee, I think it was obvious that the weak link in that match was Hager. Oh, you're saying the the match that was not good, Hager yeah. Mox. You did not like Hager Mox. I was like, I wasn't sure if 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 Mox was gonna kind of be that cool champion, like if he was having kind of mediocre matches. Yeah, well, in that match, I would say having announcing that it was the best empty arena match ever, I feel like set everyone's expectations up really high, and I. Yeah. I thought the match was fine. Like I liked it. Uh, it was good. Um, definitely not my favorite Moxley match of the last like, couple of years. And I, I absolutely love Moxley and 
pretty much every match that I can think of outside of that match, really. Well, Moxley uh, Omega, like their non-sanctioned lights out match was... Dude, even Moxley crap. 10. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking 10. Uh, I Genuinely, yeah, that match, that, I thought that match was a solid TV title match. And I mean, I don't necessarily like 10 or the Dark Order, but uh, yeah, just the the uh, match itself was solid for a quick TV title defense it w- and more fun to watch than Hager box. I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe just like, yeah, I don't, I don't totally not, don't totally love Jake Hager. Uh, and I like him as like Jericho's goon in the background. Uh, I think he like, he serves a fantastic purpose, but it's not to be like the main title contender. Yeah. Um, it was, and it, was, I mean, it was during coronavirus too. So like maybe it would have been I know I'm so harsh like, on things better like if there was a crowd there uh who knows i don't know they built it up i liked i remember really enjoying all the pre-match promo stuff like the packages were all really nice like the packages were actually fantastic really they really sold me on the match and so when the match kind of under delivered i was yeah i was just a little worried like i'm always i'm always worried that they're gonna botch something you know mox will be champion and it, it seems like it's always more fun when the champion when when the good guy's chasing the championship than when he's on top um but then when you think about the attitude era stone cold was yeah like long dominant badass title reigns yeah he was fantastic it's like a different sort of thing and i feel like that's like what should happen now is like you know let john moxley have a bunch of awesome title matches like for another year even uh and then let someone beat him and then that that will be even more meaningful then anyways when they finally beat like the person who's been undefeated for you know a year and a half or however long, I guess a year. He's been champion since Revolution, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what did you think of MJF versus Wardlow? Or, sorry, MJF versus, versus Jungle Boy. MJF versus Jungle Boy. This was a match that they set up, what, um, this week on Dynamite or last week? It was only a couple Dynamite? weeks, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a big build. And I remember thinking, like, oh, they're just going to start to kind of book matches on this card to fill it out. And they did that also with like Sean Spears versus um, uh, Dustin. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was set up through just a promo, basically. Like yeah. A, a, pre- a taped promo. Basically, they just said to MJF, like, wow. you're fighting Jungle Boy. And he was like, what? And that was like the whole setup for the match. So I remember being like, oh, I'm not really hyped for this. And it completely shattered my expectations. Like, I thought it was on any other... Actually... Thomas said it fantastic. He said, on any other night, this would be match of the night. Yeah, it was crazy. It was so good. Just such a classic wrestling match. And watching it in, I was watching highlights before this pay-per-view, before this podcast, just to like remember everything that happened. And just seeing that match in fast forward, I was like, yeah, it, it blows my mind how good Jungle Boy is. Because we all know how good MJF is. But um, Jungle Boy is like, it's going to be amazing when he finally wins the AEW championship, like five years down the line. Dude, totally. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah. I thought that was great. I thought that was probably a solid A minus. Totally. Yeah. I completely agree. That match was really fun to watch. Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think, I think just, I had no expectations for that match and really, I wasn't not excited to see it, but I wasn't, I wasn't the most interested in seeing that match out of all the matches that were scheduled for the pay-per-view. Um, and I feel like it definitely over-delivered on what, oh, I, no doubt. what I was uh, anticipating. And then Cody versus Lance Archer came up next. And I just like, 
I'm so baffled by this placement on the card. Like I can't figure it out. It felt like this was the best build they had for any match coming in. They have been building it literally since the day after the last pay-per-view. Dude, it's got to a laughable point of how important this match felt. Jake the Snake, Tyson, Arn Anderson, Mike Tyson. Like it's like how how what other things can we add to this match to make it yeah. seem more important, like so important and in a good in a good way, like in a good way, oh. like laughable. It was the match like, I was absolutely the most excited for do? going in. Yeah, it's like Jake cuts like a bunch of incredible promos, calling Cody Caesar, like it. I don't know. Yeah. Like you and I have talked so much over the last like month about like how important those matches felt, how excited we were to see this match, how excited we were to see Lance Archer in AEW have like a big match and a big feature like this. Um, and honestly, the match seemed like going into it, this match seemed like the match of the yeah, pay-per-view. No doubt. And seeing it go on third on the main card, like I just thought that was, that was strange, but you know what credit to them this pay-per-view was built perfectly like that i think that was probably the the thing that was uh, most striking to me is just how well uh sequenced these matches were like starting with that um best friends versus private party giving that away on the pre-show just an excellent b plus match um starting the main card with a ladder match which always like gets the crowd going then i just a pitch perfect technical wrestling match between NJF and Jungle Boy. And then, you know, the match that we're, we've all been waiting for. We're three matches into the card feeling like this could end right now and it would be a great pay-per-view. Yeah, um, it, it's it's wild to feel that way. Because remember, remember at, uh, during, what was the, Full Gear was their last pay-per-view of 2019, right? That's the final pay-per-view of that year for them. I think so. I remember during that pay-per-view feeling like messaging you and feeling like before the last two matches of that card, uh, which were Cody, Jericho, Mox, Omega in the unsanctioned match. uh, Remember before those two matches feeling like this just feels like I paid $50 for to watch dynamite, like (laughs) up until that point, like the, the card, it was really fun to watch together, but like, I don't know, to pay like, $50 $50 in you know, tw- the year 2019 for pay-per-view is a, a big thing. And not so, like, obviously my parents bought pay-per-views for us when we were kids. So it's not yeah. something I've done a lot in my adult life. Um, I remember feeling up to that point. I don't, I don't know if like, you know, I'm going to keep paying $50 just to watch another uh, heightened dynamite in a bigger arena. But then those two yeah. matches happened. They were worth the last match alone, Omega versus Moxley was worth paying $50 to see. Basically yeah. built it like a UFC card almost, like these two big title matches. Similarly with this, it's like, oh, if this pay-per-view ended after this, I would have been like, I'm kind of getting the point that like, if this match and it's a Cody versus uh, Archer match ended the pay-per-view, I would have been happy. I was like, oh, that was worth $50. Seen a sick ladder yeah. match. Cool. Uh, MJF versus Jungle Boy match, and then Cody and Archer, and then an opener with Best Friends and Private Party. It's like that. It's incredible watching AEW over the last year build to a point where it's like you could watch four matches on a card, and it's like, well, that was worth that was worth fifty dollars to see those totally. four matches. Um, I was actually even a little worried. I I get worried a lot, clearly, but I was worried. I was like, oh, did they did they peak this pay per view too early? Like, dude, they, not at all. Yeah, it didn't happen at all. Because Cody versus Lance, I thought that was on its way to being like a great, 
great match, but the ending was a little bit unsatisfying for me. We had like Arn Anderson interfering. Uh, I guess it's sort of interesting that you have the baby faces manager and not the heels manager uh, interfering. So that gives the the eventual victory by Cody like a little bit of it's contestable by Archer. So it, I guess it makes Archer seem strong. And Cody also had to hit him with like every finisher that his family ever came up with. It was like he did his dad's finisher. He did his brother Dustin's finisher. And then he did two of his own crossroads. Um, Too much going on at the end. Yeah, it was a little overbooked, uh, but that was a solid A minus for me. Did not like Uh, Arn's interference at all. Uh, It was, a don't know. Yeah, just the, because in that match, I mean, not that that there needs to be like, like that match very clearly had a heel and a baby face the way it was built. And not that things can't be blurred or there needs to be this, like this person that a heel does this and a baby face does this. But it, it, I just found it very weird that like the good guys would interfere when yeah. the bad guys hadn't done anything. Like Jake was shit talking on the side. Yeah. But I feel like that didn't warrant like, like Arn coming in and like, I don't know. And also that spot was weird too. Cause Archer was just like waiting there for it to happen kind of right. like, and then he, it happens. And then there's, the stuff, I mean, the stuff with Mike Tyson too. I mean, it's like cool that Mike Tyson was a part of it. Like that, even if it was just maybe only that part of it, where it's like Mike Tyson is stopping Jake from bringing the snake in. That right, that makes perfect been, sense. Like a cool background. We have Mike Tyson here. We should do something with him. He punches out Jake the snake. The snake. Yeah, like. Instead, just Jake just comes out with the bag <laughs> and then just kind of like presents it and then just kind of. I mean, I'm happy to not see it. I don't want to see any more snakes just based off of how poorly they they were historically treated. I'm sure like yeah. now they're be with how good AEW is about everything. I'm sure they're being treated fine. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like I don't need to see animals in wrestling uh, in 2020. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that match was great. And I'm glad to see Cody with the belt. He looks great with the title. I, we have to talk about the title for a second because when that thing <laughs> came out i in progress title did not understand what was happening i was like how do they build to this title match they talk about it for so much they had it in a velvet bag on the pre-show and then it looks like a like you said like a fan-made title basically they should have primed However, us on the pre-show that it wasn't done absolutely but and then i heard why it wasn't finished did, did you hear this it's because the company who was uh making it, they actually had to make ventilators for the Wow, pandemic. really? Yeah. So I was like, okay, that's such a good reason to have an unfinished title. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I, yeah, I just assumed, yeah, because people online said coronavirus was the reason. Um, yeah, I had to look that up and I heard it today and I was like, oh, okay, well, that totally, that's very satisfying. But seeing the two of them together, I sent you that picture of Moxley with the AW World Championship and Cody with the uh, the DNT title, and you said it looked like a dapper fan with like his dude. Totally, yeah. that's exactly what it looked like. <laughs> like the guy had paid like three thousand dollars to meet Moxley after the show. Yeah, this like, rich dude that wears sick outfits like made a title to stand with Moxley. Like that's what that picture looks like. With how like I, I before this though, I was listening to a uh, dude. Cody can sell anything. He's like the best talker on planet Earth. He was. I was listening to media uh, media interview with Cody. And he said he doesn't want the title to be 
fixed, like to have it be finished because that was the title he was given on the night he became the champion. Um, Which is weird because he didn't look that psyched about it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he knew what it looked like, I'm sure. It's not like that was the first time he's seen it. I'm sure he knew what he was getting. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I genuinely, I've been, I know we read a lot of Reddit, Squared Circle, and I was looking at it during this during this match and people just like do not like cody and i don't understand it because i feel like dude cody every, rules yeah every big match he's delivered like him versus dustin is in contention for one of the best matches in aew history over the last year um, one of the best matches in recent history yeah yeah agreed his his match with jericho was really 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 good um and yeah this i thought this match with archer was it was on its way to being an a uh, if there hadn't been all that tomfoolery at the end, like it, it, that was just a wrestling match. They should have just let that finish. Yeah. I feel like it's just like, I don't know. It's a, that's like a lot of that, a lot of the shit that you can read online. It's like people jump on like a bandwagon of hate with all of that and just let it spiral out of control. Like I was telling you that like, I was at a uh, final battle at Hammerstein ballroom when Cody first died and bleached his hair. And right. He came out and like revealed it, like ripped his head off and he's had bleached blonde hair. I was like, oh damn, this guy, this is the guy now. Like I, lo- I loved what he looked. I love that look. I love how he like he looks really cool with blonde hair. Uh, and like was at a live event, so I obviously wasn't reading internet, the internet while I was there. And but then I got home and like there's so much hate online for him dying his hair. It's like before he just kind of was like, I mean he looked he had like a cool look, but he looked. I would say he looked more like a like a generic like wrestler with totally. brown hair. And with his blonde hair, it's like, oh, this is like a superstar. And like I told you while we were watching Archer versus Cody, it's like it's just so cool to see two people with such distinct looks like going at it in the way they did. Oh yeah. Yeah, that, that match was awesome. If there's gonna I be hate, yeah. if there's gonna be hate for Cody, it has to be over one of these two things. Uh, one of them is obviously his neck tattoo, which I have to imagine the moment of him unveiling that was the exact opposite of him unveiling his blonde hair. Just kind of oh, like this. Like, oh, yeah, I did not, oh. uh-huh. I'm not a fan. However, he's free to do what he wants. And uh, But him driving the SUV oh, like <laughs> five feet to hit the barricade, like... Why did they Dude, even do that? Even like it's like a obviously like calling back to the attitude era, but like if you go back, there's there's that time where it's Stone Cold drives like an actual like fucking semi to the ring, yeah. and it moves the Titantron in a way where it's like, is that Titantron gonna like <laughs> fall on the crowd? And but here it's like, oh, I better not nick this car, this like if it's his truck, I better not nick my truck. If it's a truck or the barricade, like yeah, it was like they're not had to return the barricade to the store. Tony Khan's Daily's place, like, it's like yeah, just that, like don't that was do so that. Lame. Yeah, like that don't was... do that because the brawl between them was awesome. Like totally, when they were fighting yeah. and stuff, like it was awesome. And yeah, they went really. They went. They they gave it in the ring. Um, and I thought AW is fantastic at protecting people in losses. Like oh, Archer, yeah. he had like Cody had to cheat and he had to hit several finishers and Archer looked very strong in defeat. And I can't wait to see what he's going to do. Like if he's just going to just tear people up on dynamite. Cause he was already on a tear before this and him being pissed off that he didn't win the TNT title. Well, and that's like Suzuki goons MO basically. It's like, 
Minoru Suzuki loses, goes on a tear, fucks people up, says he's going to give them food poisoning. Like, like he last year, I, did you see that last year? Like people were interviewing Minoru Suzuki and being left out of the G1. And his response was someone could get food poisoning and like was basically like insinuating that he was going to poison someone uh, so he could be in the G1. I remember uh, you telling me about this. But like, yeah, just like, like I, I think Archer is the kind of person, like it, it would have been great if he had, if he won, but he's also the kind of person that's going to go on and be like the AEW champion also. Like, I feel like let Cody establish the TNT title and then, you know, have some people who are like kind of working their way up to the uh, world title, like Darby, Sammy, like all of those people can now feud with Cody for the belt. Um, I'm sure that we'll see like a Cody Darby feud since they have kind of like tagged and sort of fought each other over the last year and AEW so good at like uh, giving you like that long-term payoff. So I could imagine maybe possibly Darby being the person to be the first to take it off of Cody in the future also. Um, that Yeah, that's been built up pretty well. Do you think, I, I think one of the things is like, obviously when you start your own company, um, people are going to be watching for you to book yourself too strong. Um, do you think that Cody has won too many matches? The only one I'm going to just jump in and answer my own question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm thinking, I think he's lost. He's lost a lot. Hasn't he? He lost to MJF. He he like really loves to lose. It seems like I like, who else did he lose to just, I thought it was just a storyline. You can't even challenge for the title. Uh, he lost to Jericho. Um, oh Yeah. But that was because MJF threw in the towel. He went to a draw with Darby at uh, right. Fighter Fest, I think, um, or Fight for the Fall. I think it was Fighter Fest. Uh, okay, I think I'm just pissed off that he beat Sean Spears. Oh my God! Yeah, your boy Sean Spears. <laughs> Sean Spears has <laughs> wait, been taking. Oh, that wait the match, their big match when he the Sean Spears was the chairman. Yeah, they kind of have stopped. I'm glad they stopped that actually. I like the lights out with the spotlight on him. Like him being kind of jumping ahead to Sean Spears a little bit, but Sean Spears has been killing it as a comedian. And I think it's kind of good he didn't win that back then. I guess. I just like, I, I feel I feel really badly for Sean Spears. Like he has won almost no matches. Um, and at this point, he's basically just like our truth of AEW. Like that match between him and... That match between him and... Um, Dustin like uh, like it was funny and it was definitely like having this was like a good breather between all these like you know epic matches but um I don't know I feel like he's been he is one of the people that they were like oh they're wasting him in WWE like let's see what they do with him in AW and I feel like he's in an even worse spot in AW than he was in WWE at this point. Like, I don't think so. Not, not anymore. Or even, no, not, even, I would say not at all since then. Cause like in WWE, he was like Ty, Ty Dillinger was his name. Right. Yeah. And like when I was watching WWE, I feel like the only thing I seen him do was say 10 backstage. Like, but people, he was the crowd, the crowd was hot for him, but that like, I don't know, like, if you're going to define, like, yourself with something, your thing being that the crowd chants ten, chants 10, I know people have gotten over with, like, weirder, crazier things, but, like, it just but seems now like... Shaw he getting... looks like he's about to do 10 and then doesn't. I love That's it. his new... He's, like, withholding. He's, now he's just he withholding. He's, like, steps away from doing something. Like, just the whole build to the match, like, his, like, Sean Spears Sports Center thing was great, like... 
and gambling ringside with MJF, like having a dry erase board. Like I think like he's hitting the right. No, like, he's, he's really funny. I just wish I haven't liked him until now. Basically. I think he needs to win a fucking match. That's my only thing. I don't think he had to lose to Dustin. He's winning on, he's winning on dark. He's beating all the uh, job guys to bring it in. Okay. Well, I think he could have. I think he could have used this win against Dustin to like make himself a little bit more seriously. I'm not sure what I was meant to like think about when he had Tully Blanchard like on his underwear in the front. You thought his bird was out. Full stop. <laughs> I did for a minute because I was drawing, and then I looked up and I seen that, and like looked out, looked up and down really fast. Is this dick out? Um, yeah, it was not. Obviously, that was that was interesting, an interesting choice for sure. Um, <laughs> a little bit too silly for me. That's like I, I was like, Sean Spears has got some of the best entrance music in the game, and play it loud. Play it loud. Uh, trying to make a point, let him know that I'm the greatest around. He has to change his song. He has not won like any matches. Like he's not I mean, the to greatest. Your, to your, in, to, in defense of your point, we did look at the rankings, and he was ranked below like the Librarian and Cutler. He, was, he wasn't ranked he was, nine and ten. Like I'm pretty sure he was second last in the like win loss. Like, who was last? Before. Like vacant? Who was? I can't even think of who would have been below. Like John? Like because even all the other people that are like kind of tertiary, we don't even think about like John Silver and like who are now in Dark Order, like, they all have wins, more wins than him. It's just if you're going to make a company so that where wins or losses mean so much, just throw a couple more wins on your boy, Sean Spears. Who like, should he beat, though? I can't think of anyone he should, he should beat. Be, he should have beat Dustin, okay. for sure. Yes. I think there are two kinds of superstars on superstars. Oh, my God. I'm so WWE. There's two <laughs> kinds of wrestlers on that roster. There's people who should... Uh, win some matches and get some stripes and there's people who absolutely are not going to be harmed by losses and i think dustin rose is someone who's absolutely can take a loss and it won't matter at all he's still a legend he's a legend he could yeah i I agree i guess like i'm too mad about this i admit i'm too annoyed i uh, overall in general i didn't even really think we needed that match on the card like if we were cutting something off like i don't know yeah it's like i i was fine but I, uh, it didn't feel like it added anything to me, like to the overall like pay per view or my enjoy my personal enjoyment of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of a, it was just kind of a breather, basically. Yeah, let's put Sean um, Dustin on the card. Is what it felt. We like. skipped uh, Ford and Satland. Yeah, too, I was happy to see that, and that that match I was happy that that was on the card, just because it's like. Penelope Ford, in my mind, should be future women's champion for sure. Same thing with Chris Statlander. And I think it's cool to see AEW finally like giving the their uh, women more matches on the pay-per-view card. Because I feel like oftentimes it is only the women's title that's been defended. We haven't got a lot of just like 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 kind of just a singles match, like a, yeah. a, a exhibition match. And I mean, this match obviously would have been was built up a little more previously with it being uh, Britt Baker versus Chris Statt. Uh, but Penelope yeah. Ford filling in, I thought it was great. And yeah, this doing was, them together this was a solid match. Were awesome. Yeah, I loved all yeah. of their, um, like the four, the, the spots they've both done together in like four-way, the four-way matches and the tag matches they've both been in have been great. So it's cool to see 
cool to see them get a featured spot on the card like that. I was feeling like they were just taking these like four women and just kind of putting them in every possible combination on like, tag match, fail four way, triple yeah. threat. Like, but they were good matches, and uh, she, uh, Sheeta versus Nyla Rose, I thought just absolutely killed it. Oh, hell yeah, and yeah. There's been a lot of criticism for the AW's uh, women's roster, which I understand. Uh, a lot of their matches have lacked the fluidity. Um, yeah, it's felt like more, more developmental than like an actual uh, like fully formed division. And I feel like now it feels more like a division. Like this yeah. paper made it feel, it feels more like there's like a real, real division coming together. Do you think this was the best match or did, did you prefer? Uh, no, by far, this is my favorite. This was my fit. That was my favorite women's match. I don't know. I think the only other one I can think of that I like as much was Becky versus Charlotte at uh, the pay-per-views at Evolution um, or Revolution. No, Revolution. Evolution. Evolution. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only other one I can think of that I liked as like as much would put on this close to the same level, but I like this way more. Uh, was Becky versus Charlotte? It was an I Quit match, I think. Um, it was a hard. There were hardcore elements in it. They were. It was wild. Uh, but yeah, this Sheeta, uh, Sheeta Nyla Rose, I way exceeded my expectations. I don't know. Absolutely. I, I don't know. I thought Riho, there was something about watching her wrestle. It kind of felt like, um, watching the original Spider-Man, um, movie where it just, he feels too weightless. Like it just doesn't, doesn't make sense. Like it's the, the CGI wasn't quite that. there yet. Yeah. Like, uh, Riho, it was okay when she was fighting other Joshi wrestlers, but I found her versus Nyla was just completely unbelievable to me. And I don't mean to be one of those people who everything has to be, you know, super believable, but I just, she just seemed so light and Nyla just was just such a monster. I just didn't buy their matches together. Uh, it felt more like they were play fighting. I liked, the, I liked their matches. Riho for me, I felt like I never knew as a character I never knew and still don't know as a character. She seemed happy to be in AEW and would come out and smile with the belt. But I, I didn't, didn't get a sense of like who she was as a character and yeah. why we should be rooting, why I should be rooting for her at least. With Sheeta, from the second her music hits, it's like who is coming out right now? Holy shit, look at this sick person looking person with like a kendo stick and cool gear yeah and then just the intensity that she brings it's like that that person should be champion like that like there's a moment like before she does the knee off the poker chip to nyla rose in that match where yeah. the, the like the camera zooms in on Sheeta's face and she's like panting and screaming it's like this person is i hope she's gonna win and then like that kind of led to the sequence of her getting the three count which I, this was the one match I actually like. Did not. I didn't think she was going to win. I thought they were going to give Nyla like a longer reign, and I think now Sheeta will be the one that probably establishes the first like long, really dominant reign, dominant women's reign for sure. Like, yeah, I agree because Rio only had it for a little bit, and she was too much going back and forth between Japan. And they put on Nyla, and I was like, okay, it looks like it's going to be Nyla for a long time, just because that's how you kind of make a championship serious as you give someone like a long reign with it totally uh, like jericho with the aw title like he had it for what felt like almost the entire first year so then when moxley finally wanted it it felt huge 
Um, so I was not expecting them to put it on Cheetah, but she's had such a dominant run on Dynamite. I think she had five wins in a row. And yeah, I was going to say the crowds behind her, but there are no crowds. So. I mean, but that's the thing. You can, you could say that about the way Cheetah performs though. Like I think yeah. something, I would say her maybe more than almost anybody on the roster is it, she, Sheeta is able to bring this level of performance that feels that way. It feels like she's rallying and the crowd is behind her. She has the big match energy. There's no crowd. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. I lo- it's hard. Like out of these last three matches here, uh, it, it's hard to pick what one I would say, like, obviously like all three of them are great, but like, they're all great for such different reasons. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I love this match. I can't wait to see more matches with Shida. And even just in the back of my mind, like going through AEW's women's roster now, it's like all of the different title defenses Shida will have. Like, I feel like now we're really going to see the, the women's division come together in a great way. Totally. And honestly, I would watch a series of Shida and Nala Rose. Like they just, oh, yeah, they totally. work so well physically together. Like, um, yeah, I, I I was watching that match, being like, I could watch this like a series of these. Yeah, give us three more. Even just yeah. like them hot shotting the belt back and forth, like I wouldn't even, I wouldn't awesome. even care. Yeah. Like that would be sick. Uh, okay, next was Brody Lee versus Moxley, which was the match that we were definitely the most skeptical about going in. Oh, not totally, about the match dude. quality, yeah. not about the match quality, but just the build. I mean, I was uh, skeptical of all, of, like everything. Yeah, like I I was I knew Mox would bring it, but like yeah, I. I I there wasn't was a chance sure this could be another. Yeah, yeah, this could have been another kind of disappointing uh, Moxley sort of title defense. Um, but in writing the Intercontinental Championship article for Torture Act, I saw Brody Lee in several matches. I think they were mostly like multi-man ladder matches where he was just like sort of the destroyer. But his charisma in the ring and just his his physicality and just how much of a like beast he was. Um, and how much he could go. Like, I could see the stamina in him. So I was like, I, I feel like this is going to be a great match, but I have not been sold at all on Brody Lee as a character. Um, Likewise, yeah. I uh, He lacked conviction for me. Like, I know he can say the words and everything, and but he's more articulate than you expect, but not quite as articulate as I think he needs to be uh, to be this, like, charismatic cult leader. I feel like the Vince McMahon comparisons have been sort of um, half-baked. Yeah, it's just not... It, up until this match, for me, I've not enjoyed Brody Lee. Uh, I'm excited to... I, and also, though, like with everything that we're watching right now, I feel like I'm giving, like, giving everything the benefit of the doubt of, like, well, it's an empty arena and people are figuring things out as they go, like... Let's give it time. Let's watch and see what happens. It's not like I've totally dismissed it, but just as a viewer, I've not connected with Brody Lee at all. I have not liked Dark Order. And I and now after watching this match, I like Brody Lee. I just don't like Dark Order. Like yeah. I I and it's not it's just like Dark Order as a faction to me comes off kind of as just like like a B video game that you'd get for free on Xbox Live. They feel like the villains of that, of like just like a old, like a video game no one has played before, and that no one is playing, and they don't connect for me. As a and if I may complain about the same thing, I think part of that is because they don't win. 
Yeah, like, totally. They're, they're supposed to be this dominant, scary faction, but they're easily fought away by whatever baby faces in the ring. I think they only had one time where they really kind of went hog wild at the end of the pay-per-view and just like ruined everything. The last time in 2019, yeah, totally. Yeah. That was the only time that it really felt like, okay, well maybe they're gonna do something with them now. Cause the idea is like, they have to be disruptors, right? Like they, they're gonna come in and like ruin your show. Yeah, totally. Um, and they have been doing that, but not because they've been beating up everybody, but just because they've been wearing like weird button up shirts for some reason, because you have to like dress for success. <laughs> like I don't get, despite what Thomas says, I don't get Brody Lee as a character. I don't know what makes him tick. Uh, I've had a lot of, I've had a few different people explain it to me too. Like I, I like, I understand like the different like aspects of the character they're going for. And you do too. Cause you meant you just previously mentioned them. Like, the Vince McMahon stuff, he's kind of a cult leader, he is kind of manipulative, like, but like, all that's to say, like, Brody Lee killed it in this match. Yeah. Now I just want to see where he's going after that, like. This was the yeah. make or break moment for Brody Lee for me. Either he was going to continue to be a character that I criticized his ring gear and just felt like he was, he lacked conviction. He brought the conviction in yeah. this match totally and again like he lost in this match but he looked like a looked fucking monster awesome. dude when he comes out of the rampway with blood all over his face yeah so moxley like, paradigm shifts him on the entrance way they go through the entry tray you said shades of ecw dude, wave yeah totally the so this is a total aside but like the thing that brought me to ecw in the nine late 90s was their commercials in cleveland uh, where Paul Heyman would scream ECW and then they would show clips and the one clip that was repeated over and over and over again was Taz doing Swing DDT and Bam Bam through the, through the entranceway uh, and yeah that that spot with Mox and Brody total callback to that and then dude Brody coming up out of that covered in blood throws a rolling lariat Mox ducks it paradigm shift like what an ending sequence. Like, and, then, and also, they gave him the Stone Cold um, from the uh, Bret Hart match finish where uh, Brody doesn't actually tap out. He just passes out. Yeah. Yeah. He, it's like the ref. It was ref. Yeah, there was the commentary at the end was a little like confusing at that because they, they said that. They're like, oh, ref stoppage. But then like, I think one of someone else, like I think maybe JR said that, but then like Tony or Excalibur they were like, well, what John Moxley won, the ref, he choked him out. The ref stopped the match. Brody Lee passed out. Like, that was a great, great way to end that match. Brody looked like a beast. Moxley looked, you know, tough and like a dominant, the dominant champion that he should be. I feel like this was the most feel-good pay-per-view, like, of the year. And I feel like it was on purpose. I feel like the AW was like, this is a really oh, tough yeah. time. And we're just now we're going to pay off all these things. We're going to give Cody the, the baby face victory. Lance is still going to look strong. We're going to give Moxley the baby face win. Brody's still going to look like an absolute monster. Um, and then obviously in the final stadium stampede, um, the elite are going to, are going to stand strong. And even the only, I think the only um, heel win is Brian Cage um, in the ladder match. But I consider when, someone makes a debut the and then they win yeah. the surprise like makes it kind of like a 
a face victory. Yeah, it was like, a, and he's like a cool, cool bad guy. Like he's aligned with Taz. Like it's like I don't know. Yeah, it's not like this heel that we hate one. It's like a new oh, heel. You know that's what? Fuck shit up one. MJF won, but Jungle Boy took him to the absolute limit. Yeah, there was a point where I thought that might go to a, like a, a draw, maybe. Um, yeah, well, and MJF winning too is like we loved, we all love to hate him. So it's like yeah. that's I would say feel good in itself. Maybe not in the uh, sort of traditional way of like a feel good movie, but it's fun to see MJF win and be a shithead and you know gets the Lord his win over Jungle Boy now. It's 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 a great victory when jungle boy still looks strong like when jungle boy comes out looking stronger arguably stronger than even if he had won true like just taking mjf to the limit like that is the same thing as when darby took cody to the limit yeah it's very very similar he did not need to win he just needed to show that he was on the same level dude yeah And and kind of circling back just like both of us leading up to this were so skeptical of the brody mox match but yeah i felt like like I said, it's hard to pick what my favorite match of the last three are. The Mox, Brody, Sheeta, Nyla, and Stadium Stampede. Obviously, like Stadium Stampede, like it's like something that we're going to remember for the rest of our lives now. Like that completely <laughs> insane match, un- unforgettable match. Like, and I would say hard to like, like you were saying earlier, that's the thing about AEW is it gives you everything that you want in wrestling and things you didn't know you wanted until you saw AEW do it. It's Incredible. This stadium stampede, I was skeptical that they could top what they did at the end of Dynamite. Uh, oh right, yeah. Like how do you that was that? Yeah. Basically, stadium stampede. They were in, they were in the backstage. You know, um, Matt Hardy chased Sammy Guevara in a golf cart and hit him with it. In just like I've watched that clip over and over again. It so honestly looks like he gets hit. By that he, thing full I think he gets hit. You know, he obviously makes contact. It's a great, oh. it's like a, a masterful pratfall. Like, oh, incredible. Sammy Guerrero is, I love Sammy. He's, him and Jericho, master comedians. Like, oh man, they're fantastic. This match, like, it starts. Each, each team is on the <laughs> other end of the football field and they literally, like, run into each other like like, and, like like a football game like i i didn't even like consider that as a thing that could happen at the start of this match like that was incredible like the wall of death and the yeah the, they're like is it the elite that had weapons like they all had like they like, the elite was the one that uh had, like trash cans and, and well jericho has had his baseball right. for the longest time um but yeah weapons everywhere we don't see Hangman, dude, Aubrey with the whistle also was a great. <laughs> right, she whistled. The game was and on. Then, yeah, they clash. Wall of Death. Uh, we don't see Hangman. We're like, where's Hangman? Is he getting drunk somewhere? He comes out on a fucking horse, dude. which is the f- first animal moment in AEW that actually felt like a good idea. Yeah, the only I would say the only appropriate animal moment so far. Like there's like maybe 20 people on the field, no one's there, and he's just riding the horse across the field, and then just meandering around the fucking stadium on the horse. Like, like so many, I I like me and you and Thomas were talking as we were watching it, and we would have watched that thing probably for another half an hour at least. Dude, all the yeah. hijinks through the stadium. Another hour, yeah. So would have watched it all night. 
there's a wrestling ring in the middle of the football field. They fight in there for a while. They all split up. As Thomas said, this is the only match that's so big. There's like B plots. <laughs> there's like the match is happening. And then you have uh, Hangman is wandering through the arena. You don't know where he is. Hager goes to find him, finds him in uh, a bar backstage. And they have a drink together. They have a drink together. And then they start to kick the shit out of each other. Straight up, I think this was the inspiration. Felt like WWF No Mercy. They were on top of the billiard table at one point. Dude, you kept saying that. Yeah, it's like, I feel like that match was booked. It was like, okay, everyone that watches this and most of us love Nintendo 64 wrestling games. How could well, we book a match up- to be a Nintendo 64 wrestling game? Well, and they straight up, they have the company uh, who made that game making the new AEW game. I, yeah, that's an unbelievable. That's yeah. really the absolute most insane thing. You brought up the fact that you were talking about how the, the throwing someone through a billiard table like in No Mercy was like mind-blowing to you when you first played it. Oh and then God. you got this, yeah, it's like they're fighting on a billiard table in this main event, in this map. Like, it was absolutely insane. Uh, so Matt Jackson actually has rib like he's actually has rib issues right now he's taped up it's wasn't just for show is that real though that's real and he does a moonsault off of uh goalpost goalpost what the fuck well yeah that too that was like that was maybe the one spot in my mind it's like okay that would be crazy if they did that and but i also don't know just offhand how high goalposts are so it's like oh maybe that's like probably too high to jump off those but yeah, it's like the size, it's like a balcony dive, basically. Um, and it wasn't even the craziest dive no, yeah. in this match. Yeah. Not at all. I, I can't believe these people. They are absolutely amazing. Um, there's a spot in a pool where Matt Hardy gets put under the pool. Apparently, it's the uh, it's got the waters of the Lake of Reincarnation in it. Matt Hardy comes out as V1 Matt Hardy. Did you see online everyone is saying that that was, people are saying that that was insensitive? No. Why did they say it was insensitive? Uh, I've not thought, see, I've not been, the the one thing that I will say also about this pay-per-view is it was so satisfying. Normally after pay-per-view, I, and after we're done talking to each other for the night, I go on Square Circle and like on other wrestling websites and YouTube to watch post-media scrums and stuff. But this time I didn't do that just because it was so satisfying and still haven't totally. done that. So I kind of have been tuned out of like wrestling news for a little while. But um, the person from Crime Time, what is that person's name? That uh, Shad, uh, the Pat, the Oh, Shad Gaspard. Um, okay. Tragically, they were saying right. there. Are a lot of people are kind of like saying that it was insensitive to do the driving spot because of that. Um, I did not. It didn't cross my mind while I was watching that spot, but I also much, much not less much, a, a lot of attention to that story either. Was not on my mind nearly as much as when I was watching Randy Orton. Well, that's what people are comparing to. Fight. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's any comparison I, personally because yeah. it was like personally, a pool and he was like underwater. But, um, and then Ort- it's like Ortiz and Santana who like. I feel like the thing I love about them is that they border on basically being like Looney Tunes characters, but then they also, in being Looney Tunes characters, will ruthlessly fuck you up. Yes. So to me, that spot just felt very fun, like very fun. It felt lighthearted. Like Matt Hardy was like, chain, chain, you know. Yeah, he changed into a thing. I don't think it was ever seemed like he was actually going to drown. In fact, as soon as he was underwater, a graphic the, came up. He did the, it was like well, the, 
And they cut to him underwater doing the uh, yeah. Hardy Boys taunt. Like, yeah. And then there's like the matter of fact. Right, yeah. like, <laughs> Matt can hold his breath for like 153 seconds or something like that. Uh, and Ortiz is like yelling about how he can't swim. Like, and it's three, <laughs> it's, three feet of water. Like, so there's the so you're telling me that there are pools at stadiums. This is a normal. That's a thing. normal thing. Yeah, it's not at every single stadium. Like obviously, the stadiums in Cleveland don't have that because it's Cleveland and the weather in like like a football game in December is freezing. But most warm weather stadiums have pools. Like uh, yeah. I used to go to visit my family in Arizona, and the Diamondback Stadium has a pool. At it. Uh, so yeah, I think as soon I think as this whole weather. coronavirus thing is up, me and you are going to get a pool suite at an AEW event. That for would sure. Be, that would be great. I would love that. Live stream from a pool. <laughs> podcast. Dude, let's do it. At the very least, yeah, we gotta go we gotta go find a pool at a stadium and watch sports. Um my my two favorite spots from this match, one of them is just when Jericho is on the ground. Not when he was <laughs> demanded a replay from Aubrey, although that was amazing too. They went into the they went into the replay tent and and watch the pinfall oh my again. god yeah yeah that was so funny but when jericho was on the ground and then i think matt hardy takes the line marker hangman and goes yes. over his body hangman yes goes over with the line marker and tony fucking shivani just loses it dude yeah he like is genuinely just laughing like because it like, is so is funny good. yeah it was the image of it was amazing <laughs> just like jericho as a comedy character like that's that's a comedy character like to me it's not sean spears where he's just constantly losing and humiliated all the time it's like you're a dominant badass you are the champion for a while you win some matches but then also you're silly like you said with Santana and ortiz they're looney tunes characters but they will fuck you up yeah totally and jericho is a is, is definitely like a looney tunes character but he will also fuck you up yeah jericho but, brings like 1980s like I feel like screwball comedy, like Rodney Dangerfield sort of like vibe oh, to like what he, he does. brings. Uh, what do you call it? Um, what is the the show that WWE did until they fired everyone who was on it? Um, it's like the '80s parody. Did you watch that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I can't. Southpaw. Remember. Yeah, yeah, Southpaw. Southpaw it is original like wrestling. Yeah, totally. Just like Jericho, genuinely is so funny. Like, and just the. That the spot that he repeated from Dynamite, where he has the cone on his head and he's laughing like a witch, is so funny to me. <laughs> like, it's such a weird, weird thing to do within that match, and so like, it's just great. Yeah, it's so funny and so fun to watch. I think it's what separates AEW from WWE because WWE, all the comedy feels so like it was written. Um, right. Whereas, like with Jericho putting that cone on his head, he saw a cone and did that in the match probably that was just the thing he thought to do because he thought it'd be funny and it's his sense of humor and no it's one's him writing like, him to do that yeah exactly it's just like him ex- him and them expressing themselves and like we've been saying we don't necessarily find a lot of like everybody on the roster is so funny but jericho and those guys like sammy and jericho like legitimately it's a lot of like wrestling stuff i feel like doesn't like wrestling comedy doesn't generally make me actually laugh like it makes me laugh in a way like oh that's that's funny like that i would if we were watching it in person but like the stuff sammy and jericho do and every all of inner circle basically like actually like legitimately makes me laugh and totally him and sammy both are like masters at like 
being genuinely funny and not it not being like cringy like i hope no one is watching me watch this because this is like embarrassing uh totally yeah it's great uh that's how i felt during the sean spears match when he had tully on his underwear like how would how would i explain this to a person who walked in the room right now yeah well maybe that's gonna lead to something great i don't know man (laughs) uh this match ended with something that i could not believe that they were doing king kong Um, one-winged angel kenny is on the edge of the like the what do you even call that the stadium seating yeah he's like 25 feet up in the air yeah and put sammy Guevara up for a one-winged angel and does it onto obviously a crash pad but like who cares yeah it looks sick like it looks sick and it's just crazy and they're not hurt like it was just a cool spot like i don't know it's like i i love the thing i love about AEW is that they are finding ways to do those kinds of spots and it's not like okay mankind actually threw himself off of a cell so now i gotta try to figure out how to do that how to top that which you cannot do but and legitimately top it in a dangerous way where i might end my career whereas with this it's like we get that visual, but it's not like the risk is pretty low for both of them. Well, it's the so same as the, the unsanctioned match. It was like a death match, but everything was gimmicked in such a way. Like you still got the amazing image of like, of um, uh, Moxley, like crawling through broken glass without crawling through broken glass, without like, actually crawling through broken glass. Like yeah. it's still, it, there's still a barbed wire spider web. It still looks amazing, but they're not like getting, huge hunks of flesh like yeah it, it's a, for me like that like that's i like i like actual death matches but i don't like that like people actually do get really hurt have life-ending injuries during them and for me it is mostly just like i think the aesthetics of death matches are cool and i love that they have found ways to do these spots that we all grew up watching and loving like this big one-winged angel drop it's a perfect way to end it i actually didn't think it was going to end there but where do you go from that like the alternate angle where Kenny, like you see him from below and he kind of cuts from the top of the frame down to the bottom of the frame. Like, I can't believe there's that much hang time on that. I can't imagine what must have been going through Sammy's head at that moment. Like yeah. he's just completely, my Lord. Uh, if anyone can do it, it's the two of them. I mean, they both, they're both so smooth in everything they do. So, Dude. Sammy has impressed me so much. Dude, favorite discovery his... on the roster, I'd say. For me, oh. yeah. Who? What was his match that was so crazy? Was it him versus Darby recently on Dynamite? Yeah, uh, well, he and Darby had um, that match at Revolution where there was he did yes. that crazy senton through the table on the outside. Yes. And it was just this bunch of, like, that match is one of my favorite matches of AEW this year. Um, just they, spots. they are doing such a great job of, like, elevating the people who you already expect to be in the main event. Totally. Like at first, at first I was not liking how it was a lot of just kind of like WWE guys were coming in to challenge Mox for the title. Cause he's also a WWE guy, but it actually makes sense. Bring those guys in early, have them lose to Mox the way that Hager and Birdie Lee have lost right. to Mox. And very slowly you're building up the, the undercard of all these people who are going to be the champion and like, two three years yeah they have like a decade's worth of like storylines they could do just with who is on their roster now like yeah actually i think we should do a i think we should go full youtube and do a tier tier list ranking of the entire aw roster um where we rank them based on obviously just like how cool they are and like how good they are promers and stuff how good they are 
as wrestlers, but also how good they've been booked. Because in any other company, your top guy is Kenny Omega. Right. But in, in this company, he's like, he's, he's a, a solid champ, does a lot of cool shit. He's a solid mid Carter, but yeah. he hasn't ascended to greatness yet. And I know a lot of fans are a little bit wary about that, but it makes sense because you have to assume most American audiences have not been following him in new Japan. So you have to like introduce them to Kenny, let him put the, all these great matches under his belt before he challenges for the top title. Well, and they've shown, like, I feel like they've done a great job of like showing people like you and I who have followed him through new Japan, that that person is there whenever he needs to be like the Pac Kenny Iron Man match was like a G1, like, you know, banger, like it was like, unreal, yeah, like five star, and like incredible match. And that was just out of nowhere. So here's yeah. a TV match. Hey, the best out machine still here and wait till this person, I think will take who probably will take the title off of Moxley, like, you know, in maybe yeah. sooner rather than later too. Like, Oh, maybe. Uh, yeah. Um, if you look at the champions right now in AW, like we were talking about the other day, but uh, AW champion, uh, John Moxley, TNT champion, Cody Rhodes, tag champs, uh, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, women's champ, Sheeta. That is absolutely stacked. Crazy. Yeah. Like incredible. And then just the people waiting in the wings for title shots or to be champion, like Pac, yeah. Pentagon, Phoenix, Darby. Like, there's, it's just ridiculous. MJF. That, yeah. Now Brian Cage. Like, there's just... Lance Archer. Like, yeah. would be very surprising if Lance Archer didn't enter into the world title picture at some point. Uh, yeah, probably sooner rather than later, too. I mean, his match with Mox at, New, uh, at Wrestle Kingdom this year was great. And, you know, the two of them... Oh, I forgot about chemistry. that. Yeah. They, they, Wasn't that a replacement match, too? Uh, no. Um, Mox vacated the title. Uh, yes, and yes, then yes, yes. Archer and Juice fought. Archer, I believe, won. Won it off Juice. Yeah. Yes. And then Juice and Mox fought each other for the title. Oh, Juice got an automatic title shot, right? And then yeah. on night one of Wrestle Kingdom, Mox faced Archer and beat Archer for the title. And then Juice fought uh, Mox. In my yeah. mind, I was thinking that Mox, there was at some point Mox and Juice had a number one contender match, but it was just Mox faced Archer on night one and then Mox went on to face Juice on night two and then won, I think. Right, right. Okay. That makes sense. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's how it went. Um, well, the internet exists, so if you are wrong, people can find out. True. Anyways, yeah, seeing Archer face Mox for the title is going to be great if that happens. I cannot wait to see, honestly, what happens on the next Dynamite. Just yeah, from here on out, Stadium Stampede way over-delivered. And just that ending shot there where it's like the elite on the football field while Matt Hardy is kind of just doing his thing, like off to the side. It's like, what are, like, if you could, like, before AEW existed, if you could fantasize how a pay-per-view would end, it's like, well, what if the elite are doing their taunts on Tony Khan's football field? And also Matt Hardy is there and is doing his broken thing. And he's on their yeah. team and they just face Chris Jericho and LAX and Sammy Guevara. It's like, it's exciting I have to what stop, I thought about. What it would be. I have to stop doubting them because 
we both felt the same thing when Matt Hardy first came in. He was just doing a lot of crazy promos. Yeah, just he wasn't like a lot of matches. What he did before. Yeah. Yeah, and I know you weren't vibing it that much. I thought no. it, I thought it was okay, but I, you know, we were cutting it slack because it was coronavirus and not everything was how it should be. But now seeing the elite and Matt Hardy and seeing that, you know, he's he's not exactly part of the elites. He's like their friends. Yeah, it's cool that they're and doing they that too. To it's like, like go a fight other bad guys. ally. Like, why yeah. does that not exist in the wrestling it's like a, universe? Like, like, it's like a GI Joe universe or something like that. They have to like call this like special hero to come. Yeah, play, totally. Like, yeah, it's like they're doing like what Marvel did. Totally. Um, yeah, great ending. Um, can't wait to see if blood and guts actually happens now, or if that kind of. I feel like took we, we could forget it. Yeah, guts. like. I think we should see the other matches, but do we like that? Was the elite versus like I think we'll see a blood and guts match, but maybe it'll be like kind of the way War Games is, where it's like next February or March, whatever was going to happen. They'll do blood and guts again, but maybe that blood and guts match at that time, maybe it will make sense for it to be Dark Order versus somebody, and it'll be, and then maybe at that time, both of us will be like like Brody of Hell have had a year of awesome matches. And we'll all be, you and I will finally be stoked on Dark Order. And it's like, wow, Brody is teamed with, uh, you know, the original tag team of Dark Order, uh, Uno and Stu I think Dark Order, we were talking about this. I think they have an incredible amount of potential uh, if they actually started to, like, storyline pick up wrestlers who haven't had the best AEW career so far. Like, I think Sean Spears, like, if Sean Spears got recruited by dark order and you know put on a mask and started looking like really badass and stuff like i think that would be great dude just sean that, spears in like a luchador sort of gimmick with like a, ma- a mask but a yeah. mask that's above the creepers masks would be pretty totally. sick actually man they like christopher daniels should be in dark order by now like they don't need him in seu do you think Kaz- some of this has to do with the fact that dark order is trapped in canada like the two that's why they haven't been on, uh, uh, right. you know, and Stu Grayson are not able to come, I guess. Right. That could be it. Borders closed. Because Daniels, yeah, they teased Daniels, but that didn't happen. They teased Cutler. Because Daniels happen. is like a, a, a lame dad at this point. Like Daniels has got to get out of SCU. He's bringing down the SCU stock by like coming out with the microphone and stuff. Yeah, I'm not into like, it. It's just, I don't need to and, see my uncle pretend to sing in a band that I don't And really honestly, like, like he's like it sucks because like Jericho's 49 and he's like at the top of his game, but Christopher Daniels is not at the top of his game. Like he doesn't move the way he, he used to. And Kaz is awesome. Like Kaz rules. And I love Scorpio sky. I think he has an incredible look great on the mic. Again, I I think another future AEW world champion. Like I think that kind of speaks to the brilliance of Chris Jericho though. Cause it's like, not like, cause you're saying like, I feel like Chris Daniels still is kind of like doing what he we knew what he, he we loved him for previously. Whereas Jericho is continually right. I mean, it's a cliche at this point that he's just endlessly reinventing himself. But he's not trying to be like Lionheart ECW Chris Jericho. He is. But I would Chris take Jericho. some like old ass like um, scary Christopher Daniels. Totally, yeah. That's like what with I'm eye makeup yeah, and yeah. like his like chest piece there with the like oh my god yeah give daniels like kind of like the gallows like crazy all blacked out like eyes dark order is such a good idea it's just the present i find the presentation like honestly i know i keep going on and on about this but so 
Vince McMahon or Brody Lee comes in with his like weird like blue jacket gray pants thing that I don't enjoy. Like he should have just like a perfect suit, slaps, not just like, go. Yeah. I don't like it at all. And tells the Dark Order they need to start dressing for success and wearing button ups. Like how they they look like they look like they work at the keg. Like it literally <laughs> makes no sense. Like they don't look scary or intimidating and you don't need to wear a dress shirt to be successful in wrestling. In fact, I would say that that would be obvious from a good lariat. Yeah, totally. Um, and just, I mean, obviously we got to let it breathe, but at the same time, we've let it breathe for a long time. Like I think I like Brody they, has the potential to do something with it now. Like when the crowds come back and with Brody, like the story Brody's telling, like maybe his loss is going to be some, somewhere with the dark order. Like, But they need to do something because there's too much of just Brody beating up all the dark order members right now. Yes. And it's like, why are they following him? And he lost. So he lost. They all lost. He beats them up. They never look strong. Why are they? Why do they exist? Like they need to be like the NWO. They need to come in and like fuck shit up and like you Dude, know, add a couple more stars to the stable. That's it. The stables and uh man, like we've talked about it before, but they have enough tag teams right now that they could have a separate tag division and trios division yeah i could do like g1 with the tag division and with the trios division it's wild it, it's it's absolutely wild we need to like make a list yeah and just see like who's like all the tag teams and all the trios like because some of them it like makes sense like you know um best friends they could be either but i like them as a trio yeah like, i think they're, I they're a great trio yeah. death triangle like oh my take god Lucha Bros, give them it all like, the screen like, time for the next once Pack gets to the States. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, dude, I can't wait to see Dynamite this coming Wednesday. Yeah, man. And we'll, we will be back yep. next week to talk about that. Totally. Um, you got a classic match for me, Mark? I don't got a classic match for you, John. I'm sorry. You give me your classic match. Next week, I'll have one for you. How about that? Dude, my classic match was one that I hope you watch after this specifically. I will watch uh, it. I, I'm not, I don't know if you've seen it before. Uh, have, did you ever watch the finals of the first J-Crown? Uh, the Great Sasuke versus Ultimo Dragon? I don't know what the J-Crown is. I don't know who... Who's the first one you said? Satchmo? Oh, the Great <laughs> Dude, the Great Sasuke. <laughs> I don't Legend know who that the is. Super Juniors. Um, is it, it spelled like Shinsuke Sasuke? S A S U K E. He like I feel like a lot of people like I know that you uh, don't have easy access to like GCW or a lot of like other crazy like indie stuff in the states, but um, he's he's a luminary of the Super Junior division from the, ni- the like late nineties, like on the same level as you know Ultimate Dragon, Jushin Liger, Hayabusa. Um, and those kinds of uh, like juniors that established the style that we all love today. Um, but yeah, the J Crown was uh, like a unified uh, like title. It's eight different championship titles from eight different promotions, uh, including uh, the WWF, New Japan, War. Really? Yeah, like so. Like it, it uh, was defended. Like the the tournament happened in 1996. Um, where all of the uh, like the title holders came together, titles were on the line. The winner takes all of everyone's titles. Um, the reason that like I was reading more about it online, and apparently the reason it ended is because WWF demanded their title back. Um, really? Like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, great Sasuke wins, and dude, it's 
it's not a long match, but it's like, even by today's standards, pretty insane. Like Sasuke is known for doing really big spots and he's, there's one spot that he does. And it's like, it's like old school at the, the, the tournament and the final match happened during uh, like the 1996 uh, G1 and Sasuke is on the top rope and he does like a, like a, like a kind of like, um, like a, a variation of like a front flip to the outside, to the concrete, onto Ultima Dragon. And just like all of like the spots that like, I don't know, all the spots that we see now or like, I can't believe that happened. Like, I feel like this match has. Uh, Sasuke ultimately wins. Um, and it's just, it's on YouTube. Uh, just look up great Sasuke versus Ultima Dragon, J-Crown. Um, it's just wild when, when you watch stuff like from the early 90s that, where you feel like, oh man, like, this is like a proto young bucks or like Dude, this is like yeah it feels like this is it's like pack versus kenny omega but it's in 1996. see um, i'm already sold yeah that so john has a, a much bigger uh knowledge of, of new japan than i do and i would say just in general wrestling uh i'm pretty much just a, a wwe guy but what we've been doing is uh watching a lot of super cards that we're booking we're looking up you know, what are the greatest WCW matches? What are the greatest NJPW matches? And we're, we're putting together these super cards that we watch um, to, for, for me at least, is just to edify myself more about older wrestling and all these different promotions. So uh, I think the next one that we're going to do is a Will Ospreay super card. And I'm guessing that will that. be mostly uh, New Japan matches, but not exclusively. So yeah, no, I should watch the J. Should watch the J. Crown entirely. I'll say too, as a future super card. I I think the problem is we just have too much shit to watch. Yeah, at this point, for sure, we'll be releasing the lists too through our Patreon. Absolutely, I I, I and we keep grades from all the matches that we've been watching. Every match we've ever watched together. Yeah. Well, well starting this starting this year. Yeah. <laughs> starting this year. Every match from since, now on. since 2017 TLC, we graded Emma and Asuka. I actually remember liking that match a lot, but I can't give it yeah. a grade. I, we don't even have Revolution graded. We need to go back because we, we didn't watch we that watch together. That? Oh, I, right. Because that was the week that Siobhan came to Dynamite with me and she was visiting me uh, and didn't want to dedicate two nights to wrestling so that I watched Revolution. I can't imagine why. And it, we, we, me and John were laughing about it so much because, you know, um, it seemed like every couple of weeks there was a pay-per-view, whether it was like a WWE, NXT or something. And obviously, AW Revolution was like the we were looking forward to that probably more than any other pay-per-view that had come out, but it was so difficult to try to imagine how you could explain that to a partner, like why that particular like why pay-per-view was meaningful because we watched so many of them. So it's like, yeah, we watched so many of them. But it was one, like, it, it's like, it's AEW's first pay-per-view of 2020. Like it was like, it was, it felt like one of the worst ones to, it was definitely to miss. Yeah. But uh, it won't happen again. Totally. So yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to put out our, our super card lists our grades lists and uh you can watch along with us yeah well all right this is probably way longer than either of us uh had planned i'm happy about that though uh where can everyone find you online mark uh don't no don't don't look for me no i'm just kidding i am uh only on instagram because i i can't tweet uh at waste of taste and you're at John F. Malta. John F. Malta. and On uh, multiple platforms? On every, yeah, pretty much everything. And you can follow Torturact at Torturact on Instagram. Yeah, we're going to try to build that one up. For sure. As part yeah. of the Torturact expanded universe. Yeah. 
Media Holdings Empire. Media Holdings Empire. Listen, John's in Brooklyn. I'm in Moncton, New Brunswick. This is a international podcast. <laughs> exactly. You're, it's absolutely crazy. Torture Act, New Brunswick. I'm in Torture Act East. We're both kind of at Torture Act East because this is the East yeah, Coast. Yeah, it's just the whole thing. Yeah, the Northeast. But that means that when we actually get together, when you when you come to New Brunswick or I come to uh, Brooklyn, and we we can record like an, an episode in person live in yeah. the studio. Totally. Can't wait for that. It will be way better. Oh, this has been a great first episode, man. <laughs>